Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. How are you doing? I am good. Oh, I actually wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the listener. How are you doing, friend? <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, let's hear the response. <laughs> Soy Dora. <laughs> what did you think about that? No, um, yeah, no, I hope you're having a good day. Um, I don't know. I uh, had something to say, but now I don't oh, know. Oh, you're blanking. No, I know what I wanted to talk about, but I didn't just want to like cold open 30 seconds in and be like, what do you think about this? You know what I mean? <laughs> I think this is the great time All for right, that. now I guess We're it's, cold opening it's into the it. time for it. All I right. don't think we have any other podcast news. Uh, we did start, I did start the YouTube channel. I'm going to keep uploading episodes like uh, from our history slowly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I'm debating like just putting out the newest one on top of it all. Sure. Um, just so people have another option. Yeah. So I think I'll actually start doing that. I do. As I think out loud on a podcast. But sure. But uh, we are on YouTube if you'd prefer that. Yeah, I do. I do love YouTube. Um, yeah. All right. I guess I'll just jump into like my, my question for you. Have you uh, ever been in a car accident? Uh, <laughs> I guess yes, technically. But they were. it was very mild. Mm. So like the story goes like... Uh, my friend was driving. I mm-hmm. was in the passenger seat. Right. He was in a truck. And it was a very short light. So mm-hmm. it like goes green, yellow, red pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So you have about 20 seconds to get through. Okay. So it turns green. The person in front of us is kind of like taking a while. Mm-hmm. So it kind of takes them a while to get going. And then, you know, we see it turn green. And then we saw something at like a gas station. And both of us looked to the side. And this is where the pro- the mistake was made. Very minor, like, yeah. fender bender situation. Yeah, and then, like, it turned yellow. He didn't see it. And then, right. like, I was in one of those situations where you, like, see impending doom. But you can't but don't say have enough. Yeah, but don't yeah. have enough time to, like, explain this yeah. to the other person. So the sound that came out of me was, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Right. Like, something like that. And, like, he hit the brakes, but it was too late. And we, mm. like smacked into the back of this person's bumper see auditory sounds see i didn't even know that i do this type of shit i just i I just snap and clap yeah right before we started recording i just told him that he snaps and claps a lot and he was like what and then he's like i didn't even know i did that and i was like yeah you do sometimes then he just did it so i pointed at him but anyway yeah literally had that was just natural okay (laughs) but yeah i mean uh he bumped into the bumper and it was like yeah not a hundred dollars worth of damage right not a very but i mean it was kind of jarring because i don't know why but that whole period of time before i was like 16 or 17 Mm -hmm. and the whole time before that i kind of had this like mindset because i had never been in a car accident like it just kind of seemed impossible to me i don't know if that makes sense to anyone Mm -hmm. just because it's never happened like didn't pierce my consciousness really to a deep level that it was possible to hit another car. I don't know what it is about it, but it just seems like, I don't know. Do you ever, did you ever feel that way? Yeah. You just, you never get into the car thinking like, maybe I'll get into a car accident today. You know, like you're always just like, okay, I'm going to get in my car and drive somewhere else. But you know, sometimes you do and it's, it's not always your fault. And actually that is leading to my car accident. I was in a car accident where it was fully not my fault. And the guy like completely just rammed into my driver's side door at like 
I don't even know, 40 or 50 miles an hour or something. And like pushed me off the road and like completely totaled my car. And it was really terrible and scary. But yeah, I mean, I just wanted to to ask because our story today is about a car accident. So that no way, no Very freaking topical. way. You couldn't even guess, could you? Um, yeah. yeah, but had, it, it was scary. You you actually showed me the place where it happened. I did. And that's fucking scary to get t-boned at forty miles an hour. Yeah, it was really scary. Period. Uh, my Period. other car accident story is that I hit a parked car, which is just <laughs> okay. so stupid. Well, but I thought that was <laughs> your car accidents will seem like child's just, play yeah. <laughs> when we talk about this, the one we're going to chat about. So we're going to be talking about a man named Brock Meister today. Brock. Brock. Uh, and I'm, my sources are, there was an article from the beaconhealthsystem.org that was ri- written by Jessica Galicia, an article from All That's Interesting, an interview done by Megan Kelly on Today, and a video from the infographic show on YouTube that I'm not going to tell you the title of right now because that will give away the exact thing that happens. So let's just jump in. So Brock is from Bremen, Indiana. Bremen? I don't know exactly how to pronounce it, but I'm sure somebody out there does. And... (laughs) When uh, when Brock was first born, he spent the first few weeks of his life actually in the NICU, which is, I believe, like the the newborn ICU, if I'm just taking a leap of faith here about what that stands Makes for. Makes sense. But um, he, when he was born, he wasn't breathing, and he required CPR to revive him, and he had two seizures and bleeding on his brain from the lack of oxygen during his birth. So then he spent, you know, weeks in the NICU, but he survived that. So from literally day one this man has been surviving <laughs> and yeah, no he shit. he will continue to have like crazy life experiences but there is like one big moment we're going to talk about in this story but yeah so he survived after that and honestly not a ton is known about his childhood i mean he's just like a normal guy uh and he seems like he has like a nice family and two siblings and you know all that stuff, but there wasn't like a Wikipedia page being like, yeah. when he was born, he was a, a strapping young lad who did blah, 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 you know? Yeah, I also feel like it's less relevant for like a this type of story, what, yeah. what this type of story seems to be, because it's not like his childhood formed him into being a serial car crash <laughs> artist. Like, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's just like, you know, car crashes happen to normal people and yeah. they probably weren't nobody's concerned about your childhood in a car crash. Exactly. I think um, he typically has like a very positive outlook on life. I think that was just like a general thing that he's always had. Just, he was very a happy guy. He has his mom named Jenna, his dad's named Travis. Uh, They seem normal. So yeah. And in October of 2012, um, when Brock was 16 years old, he started having really terrible headaches and trouble with his eyes. So you know, his vision would go in and out and he found it really difficult to focus on the blackboard and take notes at school. So his mother decided that it would be best to take him to his doctor who actually immediately sent him to Beacon Memorial Hospital emergency room to have an emergency MRI. And this MRI revealed that Brock had a large mass on his pineal gland and a biopsy confirmed that it was malignant. So he had a tumor in the center of his brain 
at 16 years old, which is Holy shit. terrifying. So Brock had also developed moderate hydrocephalus, which is swelling of the brain. So they sent him by ambulance to Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis, where he needed surgery to put a shunt in his brain to relieve the swelling. But unfortunately, his doctor... Dr. Joel Bose realized they wouldn't be able to remove the tumor with surgery because it was in such a delicate location in his brain. So that's when they decided that Brock's best option would be to undergo four cycles of chemotherapy over the course of 12 weeks. Oh, fuck, man. That's rough. Yes. So is this like we could we can do this with chemo or is this like you're going to die 80% 80% of the time chemo. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't looking great, but they were like, we're just going to go into chemotherapy and fight this as hard as we possibly can and see what happens. So, Oh my God, I can't even imagine. He's 16. Yeah, really, really just so terrifying. And this time in my notes I have, it was absolutely terrifying and overwhelming as you could expect it to be for anyone. But throughout it all, Brock managed to not only keep up with his schoolwork, but he always had a smile on his face. So that really says a lot about who he is as a person and just his outlook on life. And it's hard to do. Very. It's like rock solid character. Absolutely. And he remained positive and was determined to beat this cancer. And his mother, Jenna said that he never complained once. Um, yeah. And thankfully the chemotherapy was working and it shrunk the tumor down to the size of a grape. And then after that, they followed that with proton radiation therapy, which finally killed the tumor. So he beat cancer. Fuck that tumor. Absolutely. Wait, they, they shot protons at it? (laughs) 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 No, no. Uh, proton radiation therapy. I don't know exactly what that is, but it's just, I think it's just another form of radiation therapy where those nuclear engineers at (laughs) who listen to this podcast they took what the fuck's going on here they took little guns and they shot protons they did some cool shit is what they did they definitely did the tumor's gone yeah it's gone he beat cancer so this is now survival number two that he has beaten death you know what i mean Hmm. so once treatment was over brock made a lot of positive progress and life pretty much just returned to normal for the meister family you know he's he was 16 years old when it happened and he just continued to be the same old brock you know after that yeah onward and upward yeah exactly and so that was how it was until january 12th 2018 so that evening 22 year old brock carried a container of chicken wings out to his vehicle after finishing a late dinner with his friends in Plymouth. And after dinner, Brock started out for Lake of the Woods, south of Bremen or Bremen, to stay overnight at his grandparents' house. One of his friends who was at the dinner with them planned to meet them there and was driving in a car ahead of them. So Brock and his cousin were in one car and then his other friend were in another car ahead of them. Does that make sense? Yep. So Brock had, I believe, had a few drinks that night. And being the responsible guy that he was, he gave the keys to his cousin. So he got into the passenger seat and fastened his seatbelt and set his leftovers on the seat next to him. And they were driving for about 10 minutes to his grandparents' house when the vehicle suddenly hit a patch of, I believe, black ice on 4th Road near Plymouth Gosson Trail. 
And so what happened was the back of the vehicle swung out on the ice and struck a ditch. And the impact caused the vehicle to tip over and roll onto the passenger side. And even though they were traveling at 40 miles per hour, Brock was thrown sideways toward the door and his head punched through the window, shattering it. And his body left the seat momentarily and became airborne. And he was pretty much halfway out the window. The only thing that he remembers from this was his body being halfway out the window. Um, But luckily, his cousin, who was in the driver's seat, pulled him back into the car as the car rolled. That saved his life? Yes. So his, his, like, upper body was out of the car. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was rolling. Yes, his his head went through the window and his body was flying out and his cousin pulled him back in. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. Like, his head probably would have gotten crushed had it not been for his cousin pulling him back in, right? I mean, that sounds right to me. I don't know. Was he wearing a seatbelt? He was. He was wearing oh, a seatbelt. Oh, that's belt. scary. Yeah, isn't it? How do you get half your body outside the car when you're wearing a seatbelt? <laughs> I don't know. But so the vehicle then flipped upright again onto its wheels before slowly rolling to a stop on the side of the road. The next thing I wrote in my notes is he should have kept his arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You can leave. I'll leave. (laughs) You can leave. (laughs) Yeah, I I gotta go. Uh, So their friend, Ryan Topper, who was, you know, their other friend who was driving ahead of them, knew that something had happened uh, when he looked out of his rearview mirror and didn't see their car anymore. So he didn't see it flipping. He just, like, noticed they weren't behind him, and he was like, uh, what? So... Exactly like that. That's a quote. And when he looked back, all he saw was Brock's truck on the side of the road facing the wrong direction. So the wrong direction of traffic. So he knew that something bad happened. He just didn't know what. He said, I turned around and from the angle that I drove up on it, it didn't look like anything had happened at all. I got to the other side and I realized it wasn't good. I could see inside and Brock was sitting there with blood all over his face and not saying much. So the door was jammed and it wouldn't open, but thanks to good old adrenaline, Ryan was able to rip open the door and immediately called 911, which actually happened in my car accident. My car door was jammed in and I couldn't open it, so I had to crawl out the passenger side. It was not fun. <laughs> anyway, not to make this about me, let's get back to Bro- <laughs> Let's get back to Brock. Look at me. <laughs> Listen, I'm a host, damn it. I can talk about what I want to talk about. No, I'm sorry. So Brock kept trying to get up. uh, And the only words that he was saying were my neck and ambulance. So he just was trying to move and just saying, you know, these few words. And his friend said, I knew that he was in some serious pain and that if it was his neck, I couldn't let him get up and move. So I just put my hand over his chest to keep him from getting up. I kept talking to him, reassuring him everything was going to be all right, and that he's my boy, Brock, and not letting him move until the ambulance showed up. You're my boy, Brock. You're my boy, Brock. Don't move, Brock. Yeah, Yeah. no, if he he has a neck injury, that's scary. Yeah, good call. Don't move. That's very scary. That call was like a huge reason why he's alive today. Yeah, so you might say it was the move. It That is exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. That is right. Yeah, no, I actually knew um, one of my teammates on my high school hockey team broke his neck mm-hmm. 
in a game. Oh my god! And he finished the Whoa. shift. He kept skating with a and, broken neck. Yeah, and then he got to the bench. He's like, I don't feel so good. Whoa! <laughs> it was it was the weirdest thing ever. But I mean, uh, he ended up making a full recovery. It took him a long time. I think it took him about a year or so. I bet. But it was so strange. He finished his shift. He kept moving. That's insane. Probably not advisable because if he would have gotten <laughs> hit again, not good. You mean that you don't advise skating around with your no. neck broken? Uh, in a hockey game, in a full contact sport. Yeah, right. That's terrifying. Yeah. Goddamn. So but bring in the paramedics, please. Exactly. So once the ambulance was called, um, Ryan also called Brock's parents. And Jenna Meister was just relaxing at home that evening with her husband, Travis, in Plymouth when her phone rang shortly before 11. And she answered and she was just told Brock is hurt bad. Jenna immediately got dressed, and luckily, since she lived in a small town, they were able to make it to the scene of the accident within 15 minutes of receiving the call. And when they got there, the paramedics were already there doing what they do, which is incredible work. Um, And Jenna ran over to the passenger side of the car and saw Brock completely covered in blood. But some of her worries were eased when she saw that he was still talking and was able to move his hands and feet, meaning he wasn't paralyzed. And At this point, first responders had carefully stabilized Brock and gotten him out of the car and onto the stretcher. So as he's being put onto the stretcher, his his head and face are covered in blood, as we know, and he's shaking and just kept repeating how cold he was and he could feel his arms and legs and even move them, but he felt tremendous pain in the back of his neck from his skull shattering the window. And as he was being carefully carted away, Brock was able to mumble a few quiet words to his mother, and in, quote, true Brock fashion, he asked her if she knew what had happened to his chicken wings. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, the honey barbecue wings. That's fantastic. Yeah, so as he's being literally loaded into the ambulance, he's like, Mom, what happened to my chicken wings? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's got to be such a relief for her. Yeah. like, if you can talk about chicken wings. Well, it was a relief for her, but his situation was not good. Not great. Um, And so after he asked her that, she said, I love you. I'll see you at the hospital. And they closed the doors. So he's on his way. First responders rushed Brock to Memorial Hospital of South Bend's emergency room where a doctor examined him. Once Brock was stabilized, his initial imaging workup revealed a traumatic atlanto-occipital dislocation, which in normal people language means a complete separation of the skull from the spine or internal decapitation Uh, bitch what (laughs) your face went from like fine to just (laughs) internal decapitation that is what i said why did they call it something so complicated because it's doctor words i get it but how is he still alive well are you not bleeding internally like profusely how is he not paralyzed yeah there's a lot of questions There's, here. I, this is why his case is so you, crazy. Um, you want do you me have to answer? Do you want me, me to keep talking? Do you have answers for me? I yeah. do. I have a whole. Let's, let's go there. Amazing. So his <laughs> head was technically still attached to his body, but not by much. Okay. Oh so, my god. Oh. So traumatic 
hypertension of the neck backwards can sever the ligaments in your neck that attach to the skull, which leaves the head free to move around more than it should. And any swift or sudden movements, especially sideways twisting, can make the injury worse and even lead to death if the brainstem is damaged. And the injury can lead to damage of the brainstem's medulla oblongata, which is the part of your brainstem that controls your heart and lungs, which would literally make your lungs stop breathing and your heart stop beating, like, immediately. So this is a very delicate situation, and almost every single person who has ever experienced this dies on the spot. There's, like, a 99% chance of death kind of thing. But not for Brock. But not for Brock. So (laughs) there can also be damage to your blood vessels, which can cause neurological defects or paralysis and loss of consciousness. But for Brock, the only symptoms that he experienced was stiffness and extreme neck pain. Jenna was... fucking shit. Isn't that crazy? So if he moved his head, he's dead. Yes. And And if if his friend didn't stop him from moving in the car, he was dead. He's also dead. If the paramedics even shifted him a little bit too far, he was dead, dead. yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Do you know how, like, far off his head was from his fucking spine? Mm, I mean, I have the picture of it. Do you want to see the picture? (laughs) Follow our Instagram. Yeah, follow our Instagram, you'll see it. Yeah, just keep going then, I'm sorry. Yeah, so Jenna was told Brock is only the second patient ever brought to Memorial Hospital alive with this injury. There are only isolated survivors across the country of people who have experienced this. But making it to the hospital safety safely was just the beginning. There was a lot at stake for the hours ahead. The emergency medical staff told Jenna the severity of Brock's injuries and how dangerous that actually was because from the outside, he just looked like he was banged up from a car accident. And from looking at him, you ha- we would have no idea how close to death Brock actually was. They also told her that they were contacting the neurosurgeon and he would soon have to go into surgery. But already Jenna and Travis realized that their son had defied the odds. They thought he's here and he's alive and that in itself is a complete miracle. And so she told her family and friends that night as they gathered to support her at the hospital that, you know, they just needed to stay positive because he's done crazy things before and he'll he'll make it through this one probably. I don't know. <laughs> That's, I don't That's know. That's a very strong endorsement from stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, he was born with seizures and he made it through the NICU he was for born, two weeks. He was born not breathing. Not breathing. Yeah. He beat cancer at 16. Yep. With the tumor was, what, the size of a golf ball? I don't know how big it was, but it was in the center of his brain, which is yeah. not good. And he beat that. Mm-hmm. So so they were like, this is not looking good, but also... His batting average is 100%. Exactly. And it's great. Right. So neurosurgeon Dr. Kashif Sheikh received Brock's images from home at 2 a.m. that night. And he said, I had to check twice to make sure I was looking at the right patient's pictures because it's such an uncommon injury and even less common injury to survive. This type of injury has a very high mortality rate in conjunction with the traumatic bone separation and dislocation of the skull from the spine, the blood vessels supplying the brain and the spinal cord itself are commonly injured. These injuries can cause significant neurological neurological deficits and often prove fatal. I'm not laughing because of that. I'm laughing because of how many medical words I have to say in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So Dr. Sheikh said that his first thought about this whole situation was how amazing the EMS team was who saved Brock's life, which is the, the people 
at the scene. And he said, as the surgeon, I have the luxury of seeing all of the images before I touch or move the patient. First responders have no imaging to go off of and they have to act quickly. They are trained to maintain spinal alignment while moving and transporting patients. However, this type of injury is highly unstable and carries significant risk with even the most careful movement. Somehow, they were able to get him out of the vehicle, onto a cart, and into the ambulance, and ultimately to the emergency room without losing his spinal alignment at all. It was really perfect work. So that's from a neurosurgeon, so you know. Yeah. That shit's like... Yeah, who are these uh, paramedics? They deserve a raise. I know. <laughs> well, shit. They, I mean, they saved... I mean, not just his, but, like, everyone. But, like, this is crazy. Like, a little pothole mm -hmm. in indiana pretty much yeah like that's not common during mm -hmm. the winter right a little they hit black ice yeah they have any complication yeah actually before that even like how do you get somebody who's sitting down seat belted into a seat out, out of, of the, the car? car without a ball maintaining their alignment of the spine i have no idea how, this fucking mind-boggling right yeah they were they did amazing work yeah shout out to them yeah shout do, out to do you know their names i don't i don't actually wow, but the unsung heroes yeah shout out to first responders because you guys wow you know just wow so uh estimates range from 70 percent to as high as 99 percent of people who suffer from internal decapitation either die instantly or on the way to the hospital and this is actually three times more likely in kids than it is in adults because Compared to adults, kids' heads are large and heavy for their bodies, and their ligaments aren't as strong, I think. Mm. So this is unfortunately more common in children, but that's just a little tidbit of information. Um, and shortly after Brock arrived at the hospital, he started having trouble breathing. A hematoma in his neck was slowly enlarging and compressing his airway, so he desperately needed a breathing tube. But this wasn't an option because the normal head movements needed to insert a breathing tube was completely out of the question. So medical staff had to perform a tracheotomy, I believe, which is an opening surgically created through the neck into the trachea or the windpipe to allow direct access to the breathing tube and is commonly done in operating room under general anesthesia. But... I don't know if it was actually done under general anesthesia oh, this in this case, but he needed God. to get a a tracheotomy or whatever tracheostomy i can't imagine how terrified he is if that was not done under general uh, anesthesia yeah what the heck that's so scary so they basically punctured a hole in his throat yeah you ever seen like a like a, a smoker that's like a doctor oh yeah but like a doctor tv show or a movie where they like like poke a pen through someone's neck to like let them breathe have you ever seen that i don't know how like accurate that uh, is but yeah, I have, and yeah, I have the same skepticism. Yeah, that's why I'm like, that's that's crazy, though. But anyway, so once his airway was secured, he was carefully taken to the intensive care unit for further monitoring while plans for surgery were made. And after he had his breathing tube in, he couldn't speak and had to communicate with a whiteboard, but soon they were able to insert a speaking valve, and once he could speak again... <laughs> And again, in quote, typical Brock fashion, he immediately asked for a hamburger and fries. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I just had to insert these little things because it just tells you what kind of guy he is. You know, like he's literally <laughs> internally decapitated. And this man is like, can I get a hamburger? <laughs> he's like, fuck it, man. Give me some fried shit. Damn it. Now. I, I miss my chicken wings. I want a burger and fries. Exactly. You guys know where McDonald's is. Right. 
And what are we doing here? To be honest, like, if that was, if you're like, this could be my last meal, like, shit, I want a burger. Yeah, but the fucked up thing is that if he eats a burger, he's dying because of it. It's possible. Right? Yeah, I guess, probably. I mean, the movement you have to make to Yeah, eat. to just swallow. I don't know. But anyway, he asked for a hamburger and fries, and I thought that was silly. So the first question Dr. Shake faced was whether it was safer to treat Brock at Memorial or to transfer him to a larger center in Indianapolis or Chicago. Because yeah, no. yeah because they'd have more specialists and, and better equipment. So he was like, we need that, but also we can't move him because that is far too dangerous. And so he knew it wasn't going to be an easy case, but ultimately he decided that the nature of Brock's injury would make any transport extremely dangerous. Yeah, that's what I was going to say with my with many your vast years, knowledge of many years of medical experience, experience exactly and trials, tribulations, Ooh, exactly right, killed um, patients. Amazing. You've done amazing work. But, like, can, work. They, can they call in somebody else if he doesn't feel qualified, perhaps? Well, he's, like, you know. he's qualified, but it's just such a delicate situation. So Right. Okay. But because this Memorial Hospital was a smaller local hospital, they didn't have all the tools necessary to perform the surgery. So oh. Dr. Shake called around to other hospitals to bring in specialists and tools needed to that needed to be transported there. And they even had a medical equipment rep drive through the night to get the proper equipment to them. So Damn. they they were like, we need this now. And yeah. they made it happen. Shout out that person. Also, I thought, uh, I didn't know that it was like purely an equipment problem for them. Yeah, it was. Well, it was that. But also at 3 a.m. on Saturday, Dr. Shake called in a favor from a friend so that he would have another neurosurgeon on hand to assist him. So like he, he was qualified to do it, but he's like, I mean, two, you know, two sets of eyes are better than one. You know? Right, yeah, I mean, it's such a, don't want to fuck this up. <laughs> exactly, yeah, there's far too much at stake. Um, but even between the two of them combined, they had performed this operation only a handful of times. And I don't know exactly how many of their attempts at this operation have were successful, you know? Like, it's just such a delicate yeah. situation. So finally, by noon, the day after the accident, Dr. Shake was ready to operate on Brock. And the doctor told Brock's parents that the outcome of the surgery was almost definitely going to either result in paralysis or Brock could possibly even lose the ability to swallow or talk. And in the worst case, but also very likely, it could end in his death. It was extremely dangerous, but for any chance of life, it was their only option. Fuck. Uh, I can't even imagine receiving that news. Yeah, that is just... Wow. I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah, so like pretty much slim to none. Yes, exactly. It was like 50-50, either paralyzed forever or death. So not great. Um, early Saturday morning, Dr. Shake met Brock and his mom. And before he explained the procedures and answered their questions, the surgeon told them his name and it sounded very familiar. So Jenna told him about Brock's brain tumor and about their time at Riley, no. the, the children's center. And as soon as they mentioned Dr. Bose, the neurosurgeon, uh, or not the neurosurgeon, I don't know if he was a neurosurgeon, but he was their doctor. Dr. Shake smiled because in late 2012 and early 2013, Dr. Shake was a second year neurosurgery resident rotating with Dr. Bose. And at the very least, the surgeon knows he would have rounded on Brock during his stay. Their connection could even go deeper. He said, I don't think I operated on him, but it's possible. And he said, there are almost certainly notes with my name in his records. <laughs> So, That's wild. Yeah. And so Jenna couldn't believe their luck. And she said, we instantly felt at ease. And they were able to find some peace in that moment, which I think was very important for them. 
So now we're gonna go into Brock's surgery. It took the two neurosurgeons an hour and a half just to position Brock for surgery. One surgeon held his head while the other held his body as they used very slight movements to slowly realign his spine. Dr. Shake manipulated Brock's head while Dr. Patel held Brock's body, together making ever so slight movements and with live fluoroscopy and real-time spinal cord monitoring, they reestablished near normal anatomic alignment. And at this point, the surgery itself could begin. The surgeons made an incision in the back of Brock's neck to expose his spinal cord and the back of his skull. Next, he carefully attached a skull plate with screws above and below the fracture and connected them with a rod on each side of his spine. So that's some <laughs> shit. <laughs> They're like loading them up with hardware? Yes. Wait, so where did they put the plate? Um, on the back of his skull? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then they like screwed it into his spine? Yeah. Yeah, so he's got like screws on either side of his spine, like in I think a a couple places, and a skull, like a plate on his skull. Yo. Yeah. (laughs) How do you screw something into somebody's spine? Yeah, I mean, they do that. They do that for like. I know. Yeah. But how? I don't know. I'm not. Do I look like a neurosurgeon? Screw too far, you hit like what bone marrow or like some nerves? I mean, or the spinal cord. That's the real kicker. If they damage the spinal cord, you could die or become paralyzed. That was the whole fear. You know, that's also a concern. You're like, no, no, for sure, dude. For sure. (laughs) No, no, for sure, dude. Um, So meanwhile, Brock's family members had been gathering in the waiting room and as many as 40 cousins, aunts and uncles and other family and friends were together at any time, comforting Jenna and waiting on the updates. Finally, after a very tense few hours, the surgery was a success. His spine was secured and when he woke up, he could still move his arms and legs. So he survived and he's not Not paralyzed, paralyzed. which is absolutely incredible. Fuck yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't out of the woods yet. He had to do intensive daily physical therapy just to sit up again. But only a few days later, he was able to take his first few steps down the hospital hallway. I bet she's walking. Yes. After two days. Yes. Is that not crazy? (laughs) Hello? That's like... I mean, miracle. Yes. Like, <laughs> uh, that's yeah. about as, that's, if there is one, that is, this is it. That's about as close as it gets. Yeah. yeah. And he was then moved to an inpatient rehab facility to regain his mobility. But after only two months after his surgery, Brock was released from the hospital in February and wore a neck brace until late spring that year. Wait, when did this happen again? I think in january so then maybe not february okay but like a few months later yeah a few months later he was you know he was just wearing a neck brace and he was fine so he he was in the hospital for like two months and then he was out and he's fine i mean he's still doing physical therapy and he you know deals with obviously pain and he has a lot of work to do but he's doing it he's doing it paralyzed exactly (laughs) amen And after that, Brock continued to go to physical therapy multiple times a week to keep up his progress and regain his strength and mobility. But that's not even really the end. In July of 2018, Brock and his family went to their grandparents' house on the lake and were planning to have a day on the boat. But they also wanted to spend some time on their jet ski. So Brock's sister was attempting to get the jet ski started, but it wasn't working. And that's when... No, 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 no. (laughs) That's when... Wait, is this point he has the neck brace off? I don't know. Maybe. This is in July. Yeah, I think so. Probably. Yeah. 
So that's when Brock told her that he'd get on to give it a try. But Brock's younger brother was like, no, I'll do it. So he gets on the jet ski, meaning Brock's younger brother. And right as he presses the button to like start it up, the jet ski explodes and he flies 15 feet in the air and into the water. What? <laughs> yeah. It explodes. Yes. And I, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can find the picture of this jet ski. I, I know where I can get it. And it, it's truly like it's demolished. It is fully exploded. Well, shit, yeah. He went 15 feet into the air. Right. So his brother lands in the water, but by the seawall, which I think Brock was, I don't know if he was on the seawall or what, but Brock reached into the water and lifted him out. Okay, which is, a, which is crazy because of his recovery. So Brock had a strict lift restriction and wasn't supposed to lift anything over 50 pounds well i'm afraid that that shit is going out the window in this so, case <laughs> not only was it dangerous for him to lift his brother out of the water but he wasn't anywhere near that restriction in his recovery in physical therapy he would put a two pound weight in his hand at that time and it would drop out of his hand but in that moment he was able to lift his 145 pound brother out of the water and save his life because in the water there was like jet fuel and like or not jet fuel. Also, he's jet probably unconscious. I probably, I don't know. If so, you get hit hard enough from an explosion to fly 15 feet in the air, yeah, probably. you're probably unconscious. Probably. So he, he, he saved his brother. He saved his brother from drowning. And also there was like fuel in the water that very easily could have caught on fire. So he completely saved his brother's life. And it's like, I mean, definitely adrenaline, but also like how? Like he couldn't even pick up a two pound weight. And then he lifted his brother, who was 145 pounds, out of the water yeah well i mean some things are easier when it's life and death you know yeah i guess but it doesn't make it any less crazy yeah i know it's fucking wild but you know i don't know it it, just like people are amazing like if someone you love is gonna die like many things are possible yeah adrenaline really does a lot yeah (laughs) like a lot i remember because um we get some of the ideas from like the i survive type yeah uh Stories I remember there was one where this mom got in a car accident and her toddler or like very young child was in like trapped in the in the car. I forget exactly what prompted this, but she like lifted the car up yeah on her own that mm-hmm. was like 4000 pounds. Right, as a car would be. Like that's insane. Yeah, I don't remember why she had to, but she fucking did it. Well, I'll look that story up. Maybe we can cover that one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that Google search. (laughs) Yeah. Woman lifts car to save baby. Um, yeah, no, that, that's insane. I mean, I've, I've heard that before, like adrenaline, you can literally like lift a car kind of thing, you know? So, I mean, it makes sense that he was able to lift his 145 pound brother out of the water. It's just, it's insane. Oof. Anyway. Two pounds to 145. No big deal. Just in a sec. Who cares? Adrenaline's cool. And Jenna said that people say that they have the luckiest unlucky kids, which I, which I just wanted to bring up because we always say it's like the luckiest <laughs> of the unlucky. So it I was really like, is. he, Every it's, time. it is what it is. What it is. Yeah, I know. I was, <laughs> was going to make a comment earlier. I was like, can this family not catch a fucking break? Honestly, <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> but yeah, so Brock is definitely on his way to a full recovery. And all of the articles and things that I found were from 2018. So I'm sure from now he's, or from then he's gotten a lot better. But at that time, according to Beacon Health System, he still had some pain in his lower extremities and difficulty with his right arm and continued to receive occupational and physical therapy. 
um, and his doctor said that it will take some time for the body to heal and that can be frustrating and a painful process but he's very young and has a great attitude and he looks better and better each time i see him so i continue to be very optimistic do they like voluntarily release these medical records because this seems like covered in hipaa or like patient doctor confidentiality. I think I think the this article was written like on that I don't know hospital website because it was so incredible and like the neurosurgeons were like did amazing Geeked work. About it. Yeah, like it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine finishing that surgery successfully and then watching your patient walk out two days yeah, later. Yeah, exactly. That must be like the entire reason that you become a neurosurgeon. Yeah, of course. And and he said, I don't think professional race car driving or football is in his future, but I certainly think a year from now he will he will be back hanging out with his friends, eating chicken wings again. So <laughs> that's good. He has had good days and bad days, but Brock has kept a positive attitude throughout the entire process. Despite being just 22 years old and already having had to overcome more devastating neurological injuries than most people face in a lifetime, he's grateful. He said, I have fought for my life this time around, and some days I feel like I still am, but God has put me through some crazy stuff, and he's really testing me. I'm just thankful to be here, so that's all that matters. Amen. So he he's great. And, you know, there again, there isn't like a ton about his situation after the fact, but I found his Twitter and he seems like a very happy-go-lucky guy. He's tweeting all the time, so... Oh, he's tweeting? Yeah, he's he seems really cool and, like, he's having a great time. He's He was just tweeting about uh, going on the boat, like, yesterday or something. Like, Oh, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, so he's he's living. He's doing good. Yeah, damn. I think that brother's, like, getting on a jet ski again. I don't know. Also seemed to be missing from the story. How did the brother survive? So, like, you pulled him out of the water. Did he have nothing else wrong with him i guess not on. i mean i'm sure they called an ambulance and whatever and he made it out okay but you know in the in the interview um that i talked about with megan kelly i believe yeah. her name is um the brother was just sitting in the audience and he looked fine like he he had nothing wrong you know like brock's arm was still in a sling but his brother was completely fine wow so, so like maybe burns maybe but no yeah. like other like broken bones as far as i know or brain i mean it's harder to see like concussion or brain trauma but like, yeah right i mean he didn't hit the seawall either Mm-mm. that's lucky too yeah fuck yeah isn't it it's just a wild story like i found it kind of just randomly on youtube and i was like this is crazy like i have to talk about this because it's just like yeah, how can you not? It's it's insane. It's like, I don't know, the epitome of the luckiest of the unlucky. Exactly. So, yeah, now he's back on the boat and... He's just chilling. Just Summer's chilling. right around the corner. He's having a great time. Yeah, he's doing good. So that is the story of Brock Meister and his incredible survival, like, multiple times in his lifetime. <laughs> Hopefully he won't have to do that again, you know? Yeah. Let's, let's pour one out for Brock. That way he won't have to do that again yeah, he <laughs> in <might>. any situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's that on that, I guess. Do you have a good thing you want to talk about? I do. I have survived my time in the past six or five years without a car oh. on this planet. I was like, what are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> um, but it's time and I'm going to buy a used car, but new to me. Love that. Um, so it's like, I guess it's my first car as an adult. Love that for I you. will soon purchase. Hell yeah. So I don't know. It just kind of feels like another step of like becoming... A real adult, a real quote person, unquote, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah, there's like all these like 
milestones like you graduate college, you get your first job, that, your first like, apartment, your first apartment, your first car. you know, you get health insurance. Right. <laughs> not uh, there yet, yeah. but also not 26. So thank you parents for health insurance. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but I feel like this is one of them, the last of which maybe being, like, getting a house and, like, having children. I don't know. Crazy. But, like, you know, we're getting there. We're young. And it'll, it's, like, going to be cool because it's, like, my car. Yeah. You know, there's something about owning things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, that's my good thing. Love that for you. Yeah, we'll finally get to use that second parking space we have, so that's cool. Um, my thing is not very good compared to yours. I was just going to say that I got some damn good strawberries last night at the grocery store. It's the little things. It's the little things. I mean, there's not that much. They were good. They were so good. Yeah. Yeah. I like cut up the whole freaking container and ate all of them, which was amazing. And I have another one in the fridge because they were on sale, baby. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were like two bucks. I know. It was amazing because they were like really ripe and they were about to go bad. So I was like, I picked up the best cartons and I, I cut them up and I ate them and I'm about to eat more right now. So that's amazing strawberries do be doing it these days (laughs) (laughs) anyways thank you guys so much for listening uh if you'd like to look at all the pictures of brock follow us on instagram uh at not today underscore podcast right yes that is it yes uh follow us on tiktok at not today podcast follow us on twitter at not today podcast but the t on the end of podcast is a three does that make sense sense. send us an email about your car accidents at not today podcast at gmail.com we want to hear about them and it's we want to no do today podcast at gmail.com. It's, it's no, today. no extra T there. No today podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Even if it's not a car accident, anything, anything at all, <laughs> literally, we're begging you. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we're also on YouTube. Check us out. If you want to hear it there and just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.